Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today in the Gospel, the Apostles learn Jesus' identity. Now what's so interesting about this, from Jesus' identity flows now his mission. Well, so too with us. In the second reading, Paul tells us, he reminds us of our identity. And from that identity flows now our mission. How does the gospel begin? Once when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him. Stop right there. Well, that's a great portrait of our church, isn't it? Jesus praying, his apostles there surrounding him, with him praying. You know, that is an incredible portrait of our church. Now, it's a basic biblical theme. Prayer is indispensable in the spiritual life. Often, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus going off to some deserted place and praying. If Jesus thought prayer was important for him to do every day and throughout his day, then it should be important for us also. Prayer should be an integral component of our daily lives. Prayer is vital. When you think about prayer, it's essentially communication with the divine. Now, we all know communication is critical in any type of relationship. Communication fosters the growth of that relationship. For example, you talk to any married couple that's married 20, 30, 40, or 50 years. You'll ask them, what's the secret of your success? Well, they'll tell you a few things, but one of them always is communication. A husband and a wife are always communicating with each other every day, several times a day, sharing their thoughts and their feelings. Well, so true with the spiritual life. We must be communicating with God all the time, every day, several times a day. Go back to that analogy with a married couple. There's no way a husband or a wife can say, well, I speak to my spouse you know, a few times a week, but we've got a rock-solid marriage. Well, wrong. You're only kidding yourself. The marriage is doomed for failure. Good marriages are ones in which communication is always vital and promoted. Take that to the spiritual life. There's no way that we can say, well, I pray a few times a week, but I've got a great relationship with God. Well, no, we don't. Instead, use Christ as a great example for us to always be praying, make it part of our daily life. See, when we do that, prayer opens us up, our heart, mind, and our soul to receive the grace from that prayer that is given to us by God. More to it, when we see Jesus praying in the Gospels, it's always an indication that something important is about to occur. In today's Gospel, after Jesus prays, he reveals his identity and his mission, as well as our mission. Look at the Last Supper. You know, Jesus prays and then he institutes the Mass that we know it today. Before Jesus dies on the cross, he prays to the Father. So that's something important for us to pick up as we 
pray and read the Gospels. Now, he asks the apostles, who do the crowds say that I am? Now, this is interesting. He doesn't ask them, you know, do the people subscribe to my teaching? No. And he doesn't ask them, do the people agree with my way of life? Not at all. Instead, he asks a deeply personal question. Jesus wants to know, based upon what the people have seen in him working miracles, as well as what they've heard with his teaching, have they formed an opinion of who he truly is? Now, the apostles give a wide variety of opinions. Now, the one thing that unites all of them is that they're all dead wrong. Now, this is only natural. These people are just guessing. They don't really know Jesus. But the apostles do. The apostles, day after day after day, they have ate, they have drank, they have traveled, and they have heard Jesus teach now for three years. If there's anyone that should know Jesus' identity, it should be the apostles, you would think. That's why Jesus poses the question directly to them. Notice the silence. Nobody speaks up right away. We can only imagine that they too have self-doubt. They are not really sure who Jesus is. And yet Peter speaks up. Peter is the only one. He answers Jesus, and his answer is correct. Peter knows the correct identity of Jesus. Now, why is that? Or how did Peter come to know the correct identity of Jesus and who he was when all the apostles failed to know it? Is it because Peter is the holiest of all the apostles? Hardly. You know, Peter, throughout the Gospels, we see his faith vacillating from time to time. Sometimes he's hot, sometimes he's cold. It's Peter that, in the moment of Jesus' greatest hour of need, Peter denies him three times. I would say probably the holiest of all the apostles, John. John's always referred to as the beloved disciple of Christ. It is John that follows Jesus all the way to the cross when all the other apostles cut and run. So again, it begs the question, how does Peter know this? How did he come to this realization? Is he the smartest of all the apostles? Hardly. Peter's a simple fisherman. He's illiterate. In fact, the gospel of Mark is, scholars believe, is Peter dictating that gospel to him and Mark feverishly writing it all down. And so, how? How does Peter come to know this great knowledge of who Jesus is? Well, it's from divine inspiration from the Father. Peter is not the holiest. He's not the smartest of any of the apostles. And yet he knows the correct identity of who Jesus is through the inspiration of the Father, from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how Peter comes to know. Now, this is something that's very important for us to understand. All of our church teachings are not based upon popular opinion polls. If they were, we would be dead wrong in the knowledge of our faith, just like these people were as they were guessing Jesus' identity. Now, in the mainstream media, we're hearing more and more television and news, newspapers. Many people are saying that the, our Catholic Church is outdated, that it needs to keep up with the signs of the times. Many argue that the Catholic Church should use popular opinion polls to gauge the Catholics in the United States and what they believe and as well as what they want. More to it, the media now is promoting 
The Catholic Church should be a majority rule. It shouldn't be this aristocracy with the cardinals and the popes deciding everything. Well, if we allowed church teaching, our doctrine, and our dogma to be formed by popular opinion polls, then everything that we know about our faith would be dead wrong. Just like these people were dead wrong in guessing Jesus' identity. And yet, all of our teaching, all of our doctrine and our dogma and our sacraments, the faith that we know today is all divinely inspired by the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit throughout the centuries. See, that's the special charism of the Spirit. Remember what Jesus tells the apostles before he ascends back into heaven. He says, I am sending the Holy Spirit to be with you, and the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I taught and will teach you more. Well, that's what we rely upon, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to form our doctrines and dogma. You know, how did we come to know about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, three persons and one God? Well, through the Holy Spirit inspiring people like Augustine and Bonaventure and Thomas Aquinas and Catherine of Siena to write about the Holy Trinity. And in their writings, we come to know and grow in our knowledge of the Trinity. How did we come to know about the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist? Well, through the power of St. Paul, as well as St. Francis of Assisi and Thomas Aquinas. Through their writings, which were inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit, now we grow in a greater knowledge and faith of the Eucharist. See, this is what I mean by all of our church teaching is inspired by God. Now, you also will hear in our media that the church is out of touch with our culture. That in order for the Catholic Church to remain prevalent, it must adopt certain aspects of our culture. Well, again, if we allow our culture to form our church doctrine and dogma rather than God himself, then we are going to be in serious problems. Instead, we must rest assured that all of our teaching is divinely inspired by God. And therefore, all of our teaching that we know is correct is the true faith. Just like Peter was inspired by God to know the true identity of Jesus, so now, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we know the true faith, and we also know how to live it out. Next, we see Jesus' identity revealed, and from that flows his mission. Jesus says that he must suffer greatly, be killed, and rise on the third day. He tells them that he truly is the Messiah, not the Messiah that they all thought of, a military hero, but a Messiah that will save the world through his passion, death, and resurrection. Now, he also tells the apostles and us our mission. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is at the heart of Christian discipleship. It requires self-sacrifice. Just as Jesus sacrificed himself for the salvation of the world, now we must sacrifice ourselves, put the needs of God as well as others before our own. When Jesus says we must deny ourselves, what he means is we must set aside our own ego in order to serve God and others. Now then, Jesus kind of turns it up a notch. He says, forever who wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, don't make the mistake, when Jesus says, lose your life, he doesn't mean that we should all go out and be martyrs and die for the faith. No, 
What we must do is die to our own self-interest. As I've said before, your life is not about you. Your wants, your desires, your pleasures, your ego, and satisfying them all before others. Such that we say to ourselves, hey, this whole world is about me. It's about satisfying every one of my pleasures and desires and wants and needs. And everything and everyone else in this world is number two or takes a seat behind me. Well, that's just the opposite of Christian discipleship. Instead, it's putting the needs of God and others before our own. That's why he says that we must deny ourselves. Well, that's exactly what Christ means here. And we can do it. We can. How? Because Paul tells us our true identity. Go to the second reading and Paul says, Through faith, you are all children of God in Jesus Christ. For all you have been baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. Well, here is our true identity. We are the children of God. We are one with Christ. We share in a life with Christ from the very moment of our baptism. Therefore, if we share in that life with Christ, we will also be able to imitate him. Just as Jesus denied himself, took up his cross, and saved us, so now we have to do the same. And we can because we share in a life with Christ who did that for us. Well, now we have to do it for him. And we can. We know our identity, just like Jesus, and now from our identity flows our mission. Now, the great thing about this, it also flows back. From our mission, people come to know who we are. By how we simply live out our faith each and every day of our life, people will know our identity and who we are before we even tell them. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.